Welcome to episode one of The Form Guide, a podcast and LinkedIn Live all around maintaining and promoting positive form and well-being. And I'm delighted to welcome our first guest, Jody Hill. Amazing. Love it. Oh, man, it's so good to, so good to have you here. And, um, you know, you do so much. Um, you're the managing partner of Thrive Law. And we're going to talk about that. You're the chairperson of This Is Me Yorkshire and a load of other things. It's great to, to, to have you here to talk about it. How do you find all the energy to do all of this stuff? Oh, do you know what? You don't, I would say you don't work a day in your life when you're passionate about it. And when it's work that's so aligned to my values and to my dharma, as I call it, um, I... It, I just love it. it. It energizes me by doing that. So um, people say it all the time. They say, how have you got enough hours of the day? But the reality is, is it, that's my hobby as well. Like, so, you yeah. know, this is me stuff is it's a charity. And obviously we'll talk about that later. But the reality is I just enjoy it. So it's nice. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to get into all of that. Um, so we, we're here today. We're, the theme really for the, this 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 talk is putting well-being um, front and centre. Um, so really putting it at the, the kind of heart of a business. Um, and that's exactly what you've done with Thrive, Thrive Law. So we're going to get into that. Um, first of all, I've got to ask you this question. I always ask it, how are you today? Um, out of 10, what's your form score? Um, I'd say I'm a nine today. I am on form today i've had some really amazing meetings and woke up i've been consistently doing my 10 minutes of yoga and my gratitude in the morning and i just find it just sets my mindset for an amazing day so yeah i'm on i'm on form today fantastic <laughs> that's good really good to hear so as you can see i'm a seven out of ten good form despite the challenges of homeschooling and lockdown 3.0 um so um yeah try and pick up some of your infectious uh, nine out of ten today so um, thanks for sharing that. We're going to do a quick fire round and we haven't prepared for these. So it's all around um, if mental health were a what, what comes to mind. So you, you don't know what to expect. So if mental health, Jody was an animal, what would it be? Gosh, I don't know. Um, maybe I'd probably say uh, a lion. Um, do you have to say why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say why. Um, because I think it can be scary. But once you um, once you kind of tame it and control it, you can manage it. So, like, yeah. A lion. <laughs> I li I, yeah, I like that. So once you tame it, yeah, it's, it's good, isn't it? It's, it can be challenging, but once you've got there, it can be a big, big roaring asset. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Love that. So um, if mental health were a colour, what would it be? Um, I always associate mental health with green because of the green ribbon appeal from This Is Me. And obviously, just generally, that's the colour. So, yeah, I'd go green. Green, yeah, good strong colour for mental health. Um, I love it um, when this is me light up all the buildings in the UK wow. of green during Mental Health Awareness Week. It's fantastic, isn't it? Okay, good one. Um, if mental health were a food, what would it be? A food. Hmm. Oh, these are so hard. <laughs> um, oh, you've stumped me now. <laughs> I probably, I probably go with something like. Um, I don't want to, because I'm a bit funny with food, because I like everything. I'm trying to think of something that's, something that, not necessarily that you don't like, something that's difficult to eat. <laughs> Help me out. What can we, what can we go with? Um, I don't know. Something that's, something that, that can be, that can be really messy, but if you eat it with a knife and fork, so maybe like a burger. So if you, if you eat it and all the stuff drips everywhere, it can be a really messy situation. But if you can learn to 
eat, eat it or manage it in a different way like you would with mental health it can actually be really positive and you really enjoy it and you don't make a mess yeah brilliant yeah i like that yeah well <laughs> it's a difficult question and you've answered it well. cool. if mental health were a song what would it be oh a song i don't know do you know i probably would go with some a sad, a sad song but yeah. one that i sing that lets me let things out yeah. so you know like sometimes i can't i can't think of one at the moment but a type of song where you need to just have a cry yeah them type of songs because i always find if you just let it out and you just talk about it or you just have that burst of emotion it can really help yeah i love that it, remind, it reminds me of the scene at the end of inside out the movie where sadness comes to the fore and sometimes you just need to let sadness out and, and be with that emotion i like that so i want your answer on a postcard of what sad song will get you going when you need to okay. a bit later <laughs> Okay, an interesting one here. If if mental health were a holiday destination, what would it be? Holiday destination. Um, I'd probably say like a surfing holiday because yeah. I feel like mental health, you're riding the wave. Um, I say that all the time with my own mental health. Like it isn't, it isn't linear. Um, and yeah. I think, yeah. That fits quite nicely. Yeah, I like it. Surfing holiday, riding the wave, and I guess it's all quite unpredictable as well. What you're going to get with the with the tide and the the types of waves. Yeah, very good. Okay, last one. Um, I'd like you to make a sound that that is mental health. Um. Okay, that's not my sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think my sound would be. Yeah. like a frustrating sound I think mainly because I've got anxiety and sometimes I get myself in a really frustrated place yeah. because of the um overthinking so I think that's more my personal relationship with mental health yeah yeah so uh, ah sound yeah I like that well thanks yeah, quite frustrated yeah yeah well thanks for doing that I mean it's, it's it's interesting isn't it for me um I I have a song that that encapsulates mental health which is um it's it's a drum and bass song and I'm not into drum and bass but it's called Over You um and um I uh, was fortunate enough to be able to use this song for a video that I put together but it it just starts off very melancholic but then it builds to this kind of very uplifting uh, beat and um yeah I'll share it with you afterwards but it's um for me that is just a a, a big uh, big marker for mental health so um Jody, talking about you a little bit, um, mental health and well-being, it's clearly, as you say, it's it's kind of your passion, your hobby, as well as being central to your work. What, what What's your story? Why are you so passionate about mental health and well-being? Well, I've alluded to it already. I've got anxiety. I've had ups and downs. I've ridden the wave for many, many years, yeah. as long as I can remember. And to be honest, I kind of managed it quite well through my 20s. And then in my late 20s, which was it, by the way, only a few years ago, um, I, I also suffered with PTSD and the panic attacks just started to increase. And I just got to a point where I, I mean, I kind of don't describe it as this now, but at the time it felt like I couldn't cope and it was very much a mental breakdown. Um, so I ended up leaving my job as a solicitor. I've worked, I mean, I trained as a barrister, became a solicitor. I've always wanted to be a lawyer. And I actually fell out of love with everything at that point. I felt really low, um, very, I felt like I had no confidence. And everything that I'd ever worked to, to, you know, kind of to be like, as in like my career, I felt like I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, so I removed myself from uh, the firm that I was in and I took a bit of time to get better had therapy medication and all, all that all that jazz but what that did was push me on a journey of real self-reflection of what my purpose was what I wanted to do and I realized that actually it wasn't I didn't want to be a lawyer anymore it's that I wasn't in the right environment and when you have a mental health condition 
it's really important to be in the right environment and be around people who are are supportive yeah. and understanding and I think if you're not in that environment it can really have a detrimental impact on your mental health which is what had happened um, to me so I, I decided to set up as a um, consultant and kind of got my groove back when I started to realize that actually I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good lawyer it yeah. wasn't that it was, I was unwell and I think that happens a lot when you have a breakdown or you have a bad period of time with your mental health you you lose a lot of your self-esteem um, and your confidence in everything and I think when you know when you're a go-to person like a solicitor where you have to have all the answers that can be really difficult to, to manage yeah and how did um, that how did that feel sorry to interrupt you but it's interesting isn't it because I think I experienced a, a, a bit of stuff like that where you your your condition and your challenge is is making you think that you know what you're doing professionally is not the right thing and clearly that that's not proven to be the case but how did that really feel at the time so it, fe well, it felt really confusing and quite scary because all I'd ever wanted was to be a lawyer. And all of a sudden I wasn't, it, I didn't have a job. I was, you know, thinking how am I going to pay my mortgage? And it was just a really scary time, to be honest. I felt really lonely. I felt um, quite vulnerable for the probably one of the first times because I've been so focused from such a young age. Um, and obviously with anxiety, if you take some of that control away, you feel more anxious. And if you take it, you know, it's adding uncertainty. Mm. So it did exacerbate my symptoms for a period of time. But then once my confidence kind of came back a little bit, I did feel I was able to manage that um, partly through therapy, but obviously, again, just ha having that support network around me yeah. and actually working with people who understood and having a, an environment where I could work flexibly the hours I wanted, where I wanted. So, you know, part of my issue was I didn't want to leave the house. So if I could work from home, mm. like great. And then that helped me because, because of all of the circumstances to build my confidence back up. And I kind of thought maybe I'd go into a firm, but to be honest, Rob, I couldn't find one. <laughs> right. that really, that really, well, I could, I, I got offered jobs at lots of big firms and I was, you know, I went for lots of interviews and I was surprised that I was obviously surprised because I didn't think I was good enough at the time um, to get lots of offers. But my view was actually, do I want to go back into another environment that's the same as what I've just um, come out of? And actually, I was very worried about going back into that position. So in a moment of madness, I set up my own firm. Um, <laughs> and um, most people say, well, surely that's more stressful. But what it gave me was a, an opportunity to create an environment that was truly diverse, truly flexible, and truly had mental health at the center of what we do. And when you opened um, this, um, this podcast, you actually talked about um, putting mental health at the center. Well, one of our values is putting mental health to the top of business agendas. Yeah. That's actually a value of Thrive. Yeah. And I think, um, and, and one of our missions as well. And I think actually, you know, that, that was so important to me and most businesses aren't structured in that way. Yep. So having that passion was a, it gave me an environment. It, so selfishly, it gave me an environment where I could thrive. Yep. Um, and also it, it's attracted others who share those values, which means I work with clients and my staff who all share that value. And then we can all support each other. Yeah, that, that's really interesting that the knock on effect or the maybe the deliberate consequences that you work with people that, that share that similar value. And look, putting mental health and well-being at the top of business agendas. Um, what does that mean in practice for you? That's a core value. But how do you do that? So a number of different ways. So through education, raising awareness, using things like the This Is Me campaign, normalizing conversations. I think that's the starting point in a lot of businesses is actually it's still a taboo subject. So really supporting businesses with that side of it in a non-legal perspective. 
but actually in our advice thinking about situations where there might be a misconduct case could it have been because of a mental health or if there's a sickness absence monitoring area actually thinking of proactive supportive ways to help people rather than defaulting to oh let's get rid of them it's too difficult mm. and I think you know that education and, and uh, clarity of advice around some of those areas actually really supports people's understanding because they don't even think in that way and it's not that they intend to end up leaving uh, you know getting rid of potentially people with mental health problems but actually that's the net result yeah. so actually that education and advice that's got that at the focus of what we do is really supportive and it helps the employer because you know as we know if people with mental health problems leave not only are you losing a very talented skilled individual you also then have the cost of retraining and getting someone else in so it's a win-win yeah. Um, but yeah, so practically, it's, it's kind of a, a two two um, two pronged approach. Yeah, brilliant, and um, that's really interesting. So, in the course of your work as Thrive Law, would you say that you um, naturally then would be handling more cases that might have a, a, a mental health um, angle to them? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, for the employers that we deal with, uh, we don't have any employment um, tribunal claims for mental health because obviously they've been advised about how to not end up in that position. But we represent employees and employers and a lot of the employee work is where someone has been dismissed because of a disability, um, mainly mental health conditions, um, and lots of work around failure to make reasonable adjustments and arising from claims. So there's some complex claims within the Equality Act, and that's what we specialise yeah. on. Okay, yeah, brilliant. Because I think there's, there's, there's definitely a bit of a disconnect between um, when, when somebody is experiencing a, a challenge with their mental health and going into a performance review situation. I don't think HR have really cracked it yet, have they? I know there is good work being done in, in how we, we, we kind of marry those two things. Agreed. And I think as well, even just having that empathy with someone and say, you know, it's quite scary talking to a lawyer if you've gone through that. Um, you know, we've got quite a bad misconception about how expensive and scary we are. But, you know, the reality is there are ways in which um, lawyers can support people in these situations and go, going to someone sooner rather than later is really helpful, even if it's just, like you say, through a performance plan, just to help you plan it and make sure um, that you're in the best position possible. Yeah. Um, but equally, that goes on the other side for HR people is understanding that, you know, not not everything is black and white when, you know, you're looking at the performance figures, what yeah. are the contributing factors and and actually understanding what questions to ask and not being scared to ask them. I think that's a real issue is, you know, people are almost, they don't want to open what they say is the can of worms and there isn't a can of worms. It's there, it's happening. So you either talk about it and do something positive or you don't and it gets worse. So yeah. I always feel when people say, oh, it's the can of worms. I'm like, well, you've got to deal with it it's it's here and it's happening and it's only going to get worse because of the pandemic yeah yeah and have you seen that have you seen a, a rise in in cases and 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 things coming up as a result of these challenging times yeah so i, I actually did a white paper which i can send to you on the impact of covid on mental health yeah. um, and the statistics are really shocking not least because people are losing jobs, financial insecurity, but also people who um, are in jobs are either working more because other people have left. They've got challenges like lockdown, ho- home working, no access to support. Um, so, and the social side is huge. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really miss seeing people. I'm a people person and I'm a hugger. Yes. I'm the kind of person that hugs you. Oh, so I'm, I'm not coping right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, massively. My little boy who uh, may show his face at some point during this recording, he he's getting sick of his dad just demanding hugs from him because um, I'm a big hugger as well. And I think, you know, it's un- it, people don't 
know the the importance i think of social connection and i think we're starting to see that as the this pandemic goes on and on but we're we're fundamentally humans that that require that sort of contact and require that that level of connection and it's important to try and replicate that in other ways how have you managed to stay connected with your people that mean stuff to you so with my team, we we all we actually all um, had a meeting together about how we thought it was the, the best way to stay connected. So you're not overkilling it with Zoom calls yeah. and that type of thing. We have a blended approach um, whereby we actually all still work remotely and we have all year uh, or last year as well. We didn't go back to the office. But what we did do was make sure that we had um, team meetings, social stuff that was not work related online. And we also arranged things like a walk so we could go outside, see each other physically, but still be able to social distance if, if needed. And it just also, I mean, I'm a massive fan of walking meetings yeah. just because, you know, I, I mean, I have ADHD, so I can't sit still, as you can see, my hands are going all over the place. <laughs> but actually, I think you, you get a lot from, from um, that face-to-face -face contact, even if you can't hug everybody, yeah. uh, just physically seeing them together and being outside in the fresh air is, is really, really positive. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing we did was I sent little things in the post to people. So, you know, we can't physically see each other. And I think we're a lot, we're doing a lot on the screen. So um, at the beginning of last, of the first lockdown, or that kind of halfway through, I sent little gratitude cards to my staff and my friends and family. I wrote to my grandma. Like, I just tried to use different ways of communicating and actually reviving some of that old school postage. I thought, well, actually works really well. And to receive something in the post is so nice because you just don't get that anymore. Yeah. Everybody gets emails. Um, so yeah, we did stuff like that and posted little treats out, self-care packages, things like that. Um, yeah, yeah, fantastic. So um, I, I agree with you actually. I, I think receiving a letter, the letter should be making a comeback right now because particularly for the older generation who might be isolated, how cool is it to receive a postcard or a letter in the post right now? Um, so you, you're a member of the Inside Out Leaderboard um, and thank you for, for, for joining the, the 2020 cohort. Um, how important do you think it is um, for, for senior leaders to be speaking out about their mental health challenges and what motivated you to kind of join the leaderboard? So I think it's extremely important that leaders speak out about it. And I think um, that's very clear from if anyone follows me on social media, they'll see, you know, I'm constantly uh, banging the drum. And, and the reason I think it's important is that if you don't do that as a leader, then how can you expect your staff to be open with you? You know, you have to show that vulnerability and that, you know, real person, human approach. If you don't show that, then you're asking a lot of other people to do that, I personally think. And I think you have to lead by example. Um, and obviously not every leader has a mental health condition. Yep. But there's always someone within the organisation that has got a story. Yeah. And they might be, you know, they don't have to be the owner. It could be someone in the senior team. Mm. But I think it's also important to have people at all levels so that it's relatable and people have role models. If you don't have a role model, people don't feel that they can be there. And it's it's that there's a disparity, I think, in workplace. And often they see these people as, um, you know, supermen and women, superheroes yeah. that are like untouchable. And the reality is we're all human. We all have bad days. And some people are, are battling some serious mental health issues and not talking about it. And the, the impact on the team is if they did do that, not only would they find that their team would be more open, they can probably uh, develop initiatives and start to work together with the entire organisation to actually open up those conversations and support people. And in, in turn, what you end up finding is people are more productive and more receptive to what you put on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, that's where we then get creating cultures that are more open, that people can 
seek that support at an earlier stage before we're getting into those performance re reviews and, and tribunals and difficult legal situations. So um, I think it starts leadership have a great role to play in facilitating that culture change. Um, I'm really curious. You know, you've obviously made that decision to 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 have well-being and mental health as top of your business agenda. If an organisation wants to try and achieve that, you know, putting well-being and mental health front and centre, how would you advise they go about doing it? Well, to be honest, um, I don't give a blanket advice on these yeah. things. I very much look at what they're already doing. Um, often it's not that you need to reinvent the wheel. You can tweak what you're already doing. So I think the first thing that I would always say is have a review internally. What do you currently have in place? Mm. Does anyone use it? Um, and what's the purpose of it? What are you trying to achieve? Have a think about, because sometimes it's just nice to do well-being stuff. Well, it's not really, an, it's not really a nice to have. It should be an essential part of business. Yeah. And and what's your budget and so it really much it very much depends on that but the key thing once you've gone through that reflection process is then looking at education where the gaps are um, and obviously looking at support and where those gaps are and a way to do that that I um, find really helpful is using mental health and well-being risk assessments mm -hmm. because with the individuals what we find is the individuals ident you identify with them a self-care report and it's all and um, the company that we use um, generates a report that only the individual can see yep. so it's confidential which is really helpful and then the other side of it is the business get a, a generic report of percentages of what the cause of stress is and what, what percentage of mental health problems they have in the workplace so they can really focus the training and investment on the needs of the staff rather than assuming I think the biggest issue is that, um, in workplaces is that it can come across tokenistic or yep. you know if you're assuming what the problem is I love yoga. I'm the biggest fan of yoga, but putting on a yoga session every week isn't going to fix the problem. You need to think about it in a bit more of a strategic way of what you're trying to achieve and what support people need. Yeah. Um, so education is a huge, a huge issue and obviously raising awareness um, in the workplace. And I think having a consistent approach and moving away from that tokenistic approach is really important. So building a strategy from the outset and sticking to it, um, it comes across first of all, more genuine. And secondly, it's got to align with your values. If it doesn't align with your values and you're saying you do all these things, but actually you've got 20 claims for disability discrimination, there's a disparity there and it's not going to work. So you, you just have to make sure it's, it's a big, it's a big project, but yeah. you can start now with little things. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it, it requires that intent, doesn't it? From, uh, I think you, you mentioned the right point that treating it as a strategic or a business imperative strategic mm -hmm. priority, you know, there's got to be the will there, but I think organizations really have the uh, the motivation to do so don't they because i think organizations that do this well will come through this challenging period thriving and retaining staff and having good employer employee brand um i think those that don't look at this might might end up in a bit of trouble no i agree and i think especially when you've got the additional challenges of the current lockdown and homeschooling um you know we're becoming less and less resilient to these restrictions and i think ultimately there's only so much people can take and if they got things coming from every angle and their employer is one of those you, you could find that employees start to rethink their process their, their processes in terms of do I actually want to be at this workplace um, and we're seeing that quite a lot people have had a lot of time with their thoughts this year yeah you saying this year we're in January now, last <laughs> yeah. year. Um, but it's true you know people have really used that as an opportunity to you know you can't go out on a weekend or you can't um, see people so actually I'm going to spend more time thinking about me and what we found is that so many people are rethinking what's important to them and do they really want to work 60 hours a week in a big company and never seeing their children? Now they've seen the children for 
you know, so many hours, they're like, actually, I, I, I've enjoyed this. I want to do more of this. Yeah. So, you know, that flexibility and that um, that support around mental health is going to be really, really crucial to moving out of this next phase of lockdown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally agree. Um, and, and tell us a bit about Thrive Wellbeing, the offering you've got on the, the, the wellbeing side. Yeah, so the first lockdown, we um, took the view that people generally, well, we did some research and generally what we found was mental health had dropped off the agenda because people were in crisis mode. So we um, partnered uh, with a tech company and created some e-learning tech, well, it's basically a platform with two areas. One where you can complete mental health champion training. Um, So it's all around stress, resilience, awareness. So it's giving people the tools that they need to support themselves. Then the other side of it is a series of, um, it's a toolkit for managers and employees. So we've got a couple of different things on there from guides to tool, uh, like step-by-step guides, template letters, emails, and lots of wellbeing focused initiatives and policies. Because I think, again, that's something that people get stuck on is they'll do some training, they don't do anything. So it's about um, helping people be a bit more creative and have a consistent approach. And if people sign up on a monthly basis, we're going to email them with initiatives and ideas that they can run or not run. But the idea is, is that you're keeping the conversation going. It's not a one-off tick box. We've just got to move away from that in the workplace. So we we created it for our staff and clients um, in first lockdown. And then we decided to roll it out to the general public. And actually this month we're offering it for free. So if anybody wants access to it to complete the training side, um, you're more than welcome to have free access for the whole of this month. So they just need to get in touch with me. Fantastic. And we can put a link um, and your details in the in the show notes as well. Um, so that's great. And, and what a great offer. Um, so looking forward for the next 12 months, what, what is your hope as we travel through, um, you know, clearly this phase of the pandemic, but what is your hope for mental health and well-being out there in the workplace? So what I hope and what I think will happen is that businesses will see the importance of investing in mental health because yep. of what's happened. Um, it shouldn't have taken the pandemic but it has. Um, but I do think if we look at the positives, I do think businesses are seeing that they need to invest. We're already seeing people contact us and the amount of people that have taken out the free access to Thrive Wellbeing is insane. We're literally just trying to get them all out at the moment. So that shows that people care. Yep. It shows that people are thinking about it. And these are all big businesses. So yeah, I do think that it's going to move up on the agenda. Whether it'll get to the top this year depends on what other restrictions we have and, and obviously it depends on organisations. But I think it will move up the agenda and I think businesses will start to see the importance of that investment from day one. Um, and actually, like you said before, putting it part of that strategic plan rather than it being a nice to have. It's not, it isn't a nice to have, it's essential. We all have mental health. And I think it's so important that businesses support that. Yeah, 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 I agree. I think uh, to, to, to use the words of my friend, Jeff McDonald, um, the, the pandemic has democratised mental health, um, which means I think that more of us will have experienced a challenge and have a greater degree of empathy for those that struggle more regularly. But I think businesses that haven't been on the journey for whatever reason are now looking at getting further down that track, which is, which is, you know, if we can get that sort of silver lining, um, you know, at least that will go um, some way to set off how difficult this this horrific uh, pandemic has been. Yeah. Um, so w- when we um, decided to set up the form guide and and the newsletter that goes with it, we we sort of canvassed a bit of an opinion as to what people wanted and. Um, the form guides all around, um, you know, inspiring you to look after your own form or mental health and well-being. Um, but we also um, got a lot of people coming back saying we're really keen to know how best to support others. 
those mm. in our network, our family members, our, um, you know, our colleagues, um, because more and more people are struggling. And I think people would welcome being able to just equip themselves a little bit better to, to deal with a friend or a colleague that might be struggling. How do you think we can better do that? And again, I guess, you know, coming out from the perspective of somebody that's needed to be supported in their, in their life. No, I can. And I can also come from the perspective of I've had to support some of my team mm. as well. And actually, you know, I've got that dual perspective there. And I think it's really helpful for me as a leader because I know how I felt and how I didn't want to be treated. Um, but really, for me, it's about understanding and listening, um, letting that person speak. I think it's really important to really hear what they're saying and not assume or start to answer what you, you know, your personal experience or or what you think the answer should be. And it's not always solution driven sometimes yeah. people just want to talk about it um you can only do that obviously if you've got that open conversation so really focus your business on uh, you know this year if you haven't already on making sure it's a safe environment that people feel comfortable to speak to their line managers and if you don't already have them get mental health first aiders so that they're not the manager but they can speak to somebody else and I've, uh, I mean, all my staff are trained and we, we run the courses because we found that, you know, it doesn't fix the problem, yep. but it adds, an, it adds a layer of support within the organisation. Um, some organisations already also have mental health champions where they might have a, a peer group committee. We find that that can be really helpful, that if people are struggling, they can meet together in a group. Mm -hmm. um, I personally don't have experience of that, but I've seen through our This Is Me podcast and a few other uh, guests that I've spoken to in the past that they've found that that really works because once they see someone else open up, they feel like they've got that strength in numbers. A little bit like Andy's Man's Club, you've probably come yes, across. Yes, yes. So that kind of setting, that peer group support um, can be really positive if you if you do it in the right way. Um but yeah, I do think, I think it is, it's a difficult one now, especially because we're not seeing people because we don't see the behavioral um, signs of a decline in mental health. We, yeah. only hear, we only hear or see what we are given on social media or on Zoom or on a text or yeah. whatever. So I think it is difficult. Um, and actually the mental health risk assessments are helpful for that. And the form score is helpful because asking people to, tell others and be open about how they feel is really important yeah. and I think if you can get into the habit I ask my staff every single every single day how how are you today and they you know everybody's really open about it and yeah. if you're having a you're having a rubbish day and just as a leader be honest about that you know we're not perfect and I think it's not realistic to say that we're fine all the time because that's just our autopilot response, as you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. when leaders do that, though, it, it creates damage because then it, it means that, that that employees don't have the role model to say, I can tell people how I'm feeling and then everybody's, I'm not too bad, I'm okay, I'm good, I'm all right, where, yeah. you know, the leaders can really catalyze the change. But I think it's interesting. We want to get to cultures where, people feel comfortable saying I'm, I'm anxious today or I'm feeling depressed because I'm isolated or whatever they might be feeling we're not quite there yet and that for me is what we're trying to do with form score is just bring a, a, a less threatening language of the number out of 10 to describe how we're feeling and and so far we're, we're getting some interesting results with it 
Yeah, I saw the results with um, Furlearn and how um, the people that they'd helped. And actually, it's really great to see the visual side of uh, when using the form score, because it's obviously coloured in different yeah. uh, colours as you go up the scale. And I think it's really powerful if you, um, you know, if you're doing an initiative, for example, in the workplace, perhaps ask them to do their form score before and then ask them after and yeah. see the benefit. And when you have that data as a business, you know, even especially if you're trying to get senior level buy-in, but even if you've got that, it justifies it from a business perspective why you need to do more. Yeah. And I think that can be really powerful, especially if you've got um, a board that you've got to justify more budget to and that type of thing. If you can show that, um, the form score is a really great way of doing that. Yeah, definitely. I think measuring um, the impact of our initiatives is, is really important. And um, I think that stems, you know, stands organisations apart when they do that properly. Um, yeah, form score is one way of doing that for sure. But I think the, the point is that we you know, really do assess the impact and not just put something in place to see um, uh, whether it travels or not. Um, um, the next guest we've got coming on to, to this show is a lady called Shireen Daniels. And, and Shireen's an amazing lady who, um, a, an anti-racism campaigner, and you know has been prolific um, following the sort of um, the events of last year and the the Black Lives Matter campaign. But we're going to have a chat about the sort of mental health impact of of being someone so passionate about a cause and I think the same applies to what we do in terms of being very passionate about making change in in mental health and well-being and I just wanted to ask you on that note really have you noticed that sometimes given you are so driven uh, about the mission can that sometimes impact your own challenges your own anxiety? I think so. I think um, I had a really big challenge last year because, um, and I kind of posted about this online today, but about kind of saying no and setting boundaries. Um, I think when you're so passionate, you want to say yes to everything because you want to help everybody. Yeah. And you know, ultimately, I'm running a business, and I have I have to make sure I can pay my staff and pay myself. So as much as you want to help the entire world for free, you know, it's having those boundaries and understanding. You know what. If I go past this boundary, what does that mean to me? And if, because if I'm not 100% myself, then I'm not going to be there for my team. I'm not going to be there for my clients. So it has such a ripple effect. That is so, so important. But I find that, that the hardest bit to manage is the bit that I'm passionate about. Yeah. And it's the mental health stuff because I'm like, oh, I just want to do this one more thing. Or, <laughs> you know, it's constantly, um, you know, you've got so much adrenaline about the issue that you run on that adrenaline. And I, I mean, I got to Christmas and I literally slept for three days. Yeah. I, I didn't realize how tired I was. And it's because I was running on adrenaline because I was just so passionate about it. And I think that's really a strong message and not not necessarily just for you know campaign work but for entrepreneurs entrepreneurs yep. are often really passionate about what they do and then they can burn out and that's what we want to you know help people avoid getting to that place and you know this this year's this year this year last year was very much a crisis management so people yep. were looking more and that type of thing anyway just to get through it but yeah, I do think it's it's certainly a, a catalyst um, for overworking. And that's something that I'm kind of constantly keeping in check with. But I do that through different ways of a journal. So I reflect mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm looking at what I'm doing, make sure that I don't work in the evenings and make sure that I have at least one hour walk in the middle of the day. Yep. I do walking meetings. So you've got to put things in place to stop yourself, because especially with ADHD, I'll just be 100 miles an hour. And then I get to like three weeks down the line, if you don't put those things in place, then it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
you know, defining that routine can be really, really helpful if you are super passionate to make sure you look after yourself. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, you know, kind of my bipolar is my superpower as well as my challenge. And and sometimes I can, you know, have all of these ideas and, and think I'm, I want to run with all of them. And yeah. saying no to myself is a very difficult uh, thing to do. And um, how, how are you getting on with that this year? Um, so I've actually, I'm really proud of myself this year, but it's early days. Yeah. Um, I took last week to work on the business and had a set day each day working on a different area of the business with different um, departments. And it really allowed me to look at a deeper and, and um, more collaborative strategy uh, within the workplace so that then when I come back and I'm helping with other stuff, it means that I've actually spent, had that headspace. Yeah. I think one of the things I really struggle with is um, focus and um, get distracted very easily. Um, but then when I can do just one project like that, I can really hyper-focus. So it's really helpful to have that time. So yeah, last week I did that. And then this week, um, obviously we're just just kind of uh, at the beginning of the week and, and cracking on with it. But it's it's really helped to have that time off. I can't stress enough how important it is to take a break. Yeah. Um, unbelievable and even though we had all our holidays cancelled and everything I just made a commitment to myself not to look at my emails once yeah. and I did and I was really proud of myself because actually normally I have to go on holiday to fully switch off yeah. and I had to learn to switch off at home which I struggle with um, but actually it really showed me that it's, it's doable and how important it is and I think others can learn from that yeah brilliant yeah re really really good to hear um, I'm interested in um, your role as chairperson of this is me um, I'm a big fan of the This Is Me campaign and great to see that you've uh, helped take it to Yorkshire. Um, talk us through what that is for people that don't know and how can people get involved? Cool. So This Is Me is a national um, campaign run by the Lord Mayor's Appeal in London. I think you're involved in the London one. Um, I was approached by them through my own storytelling um, to share um, my own story and, and actually launch in Yorkshire. So the way it works in summary is all the regions have their own regional committees. Yep. We have an annual meeting. And the idea is, is to, um, there's three different areas. One is about storytelling. So it's, this is me, look at me. Yep. I have a mental health problem. This is what I look like. Um, and really encouraging people to open that conversation and how to tell those stories um, and educating people around the impact. Um, so we do that through a series of events throughout the year. We have national events and regional events. So wherever you are in the UK, you'll have uh, a regional committee. Um, we also champion the Green Ribbon Appeal. So yeah. even though we were not physically together last year, we did a virtual campaign. So you can gift a Green Ribbon to someone and tell them you appreciate them. You can add Green Ribbons um, on social media to your clothes. So it's just really about that um, awareness and just keeping it in, at the forefront of people's minds. And we run those campaigns throughout the year. And then the third section is where we've partnered with the Samaritans and actually looking at toolkits and workplace support for people. So there's a three, there's three areas. It's completely free to join. You get loads of support. You can just do one bit if you want, if you just want to do the green ribbon appeal or you just want to do the storytelling. Um, but if people want to sign up, there's the Lord Mayor's appeal for um, the London one. We have our own website. This is me, Yorkshire. Um, and we also have our own podcast. So some of the Yorkshire leaders have shared their story. Um, and we've also got a YouTube where people are sharing their stories. So there's lots of resources. It, like I said, it's all free. So there's literally no excuse for people not to make this this year the year that they start to tell their story and be their true selves. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's really well summarised. And a, a little story for you. Um, the, do you know there is not a green ribbon emoji um, that you can use in, in, in the app? So I worked with the, um, the This Is Me campaign and PwC and we tried, we lobbied Unicode, who are in charge of emojis, to see if they would put a, a green ribbon emoji. And we, we were unsuccessful this time, but we'll keep going on it because I think 
I think there's a gif though, isn't there? There is a gif. There's a gif, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a yellow ribbon emoji, but not a green one, which I think would be yeah. very, very be much great. required. So we'll, we'll keep going on that for sure. Um, yeah, I think um, I do. I know that there's a company that we we partnered with in Yorkshire that they they gift moments to each other and they've created a green ribbon moment for This Is Me as a, as a, do and do a donation will go to This Is Me. So it's like a different form of communication. So you, you gift a moment yeah. rather than send a text. Um, and, and I know they've created created one which we'll be launching this year which is really exciting but yeah let me know if you do get that green ribbon on there and we can De share away definitely <laughs> definitely and um yeah look forward to seeing if there are any other senior leaders from uh, from yorkshire who'd be relevant for the leaderboard actually so i'll follow up with that um yeah. so we've got a few more minutes um I, i'd just like to get your view quickly on um social media and the impact clearly social has has been um important i guess in terms of helping people connect but what do you think about social media on the impact of mental health i think it's very much a personal relationship and how you use social media so um the key thing for me is is making sure i limit the amount of time that i'm on social media and using it in a constructive way i use social media to motivate others to inspire others and to provide education and videos and information um so that's why i use it um but i know that for me that's been quite helpful because not only has it helped me personally um, connect with some amazing people online because they can they, they kind of connect with me because I'm aligned to their values so they can see the type of things that I'm saying all the time uh, but also it educates a lot of people around some of these areas like anti-racism we did loads I've done loads of videos around um, discrimination in the workplace and just demystifying some of that stuff um, so that's been really positive for my mental health because it's given me um, a bit of purpose on there. What I think can be really negative is over usage, um, looking at negative content. I, li I literally don't watch the news at all yeah. or look at any negative content. Um, and actually, I've experienced last year some trolling. Have you? Yeah. And I think because... Because as you get as you get more followers and more people are involved even on very uncontroversial subjects someone will find fault mm. someone will make it personal and what I learned last year was to really not take that personally and you know that person has obviously um, got their own issues whatever it, it's just learning to not take it personally yeah. as as easy as it is to say it isn't easy to do but I think it's important that we first of all don't take any of that personally just block and delete don't reply yeah and secondly don't compare yourself to people people generally only show their highlights a lot of, I show I show the negatives also because yeah. I think it's important but generally people show you stuff that one isn't real or two is like the highlight of their week and it looks like their normal life so don't compare yourself to people because I think that can be a really big issue for your mental health yeah. because it starts to damage your your confidence and your self-esteem yeah yeah absolutely uh, totally agree so what are your top tips for people stay well during these times um so my top tips would be um making sure you have a defined uh, morning routine i think your morning routine sets your day strong um and it doesn't mean that you have to do two hours of yoga or meditation in the morning find what works for you and what what sets you up right make sure you exercise daily even if that's only a walk, mm -hmm. but have something where you either get outside or do some exercise every single day, especially when it's cold and dark. I think it's so easy to go, oh, it's dark now, so I'm not going to go outside. Um, make that time for yourself um, and look after yourself first. You know, don't be afraid to say no and set those boundaries. Um, it's very difficult at the moment when we've got all of these challenges, plus, like you said before, homeschooling and homeworking. Um, you're going to have to redefine those boundaries as things change. And, and don't be afraid to do that and look after yourself because you can't help others if your cup's only half full. Yeah, fantastic. And that's a great note to end. And for me, um, I'm hearing you on 
that, those, that boundary point and saying no, um, because I think we are um, working longer hours than we worked before we lost the commute. Um, and we're focused on this, this screen for hours and hours a day. So I think putting those breaks in, putting those boundaries in place and actually being able to say no and prioritizing self-care is really important. So Jody, thank you for being our first guest on the form guide. Um, I know you've got the trophy because you also won the Inside Out Advocacy Award uh, last year and you've got the Singing Bowl trophy. So um, I, <laughs> very good. And have you become adept at, at sort of, uh, you know, getting a few notes out of it? Love it. So I use it when I'm meditating sometimes. Uh, sometimes I use an app and then I'm trying to do some stuff on my own. Um, so it's quite good to have something to focus on and I find that the sound can be really helpful. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Well, congratulations on winning that award. Very deserved. Um, so everyone, thanks for tuning in. Um, this has been The Form Guide uh, with Jody Hill. And Form Guide is all around just working out how we can proactively manage our form during challenging times and support others. Jody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.